Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Rocky Edition. We're talking Rocky Four. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, my friend, my boxing partner, my sparring partner, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit me, Tom. You will lose. <laughs> I have a question for you off the bat. You kind of made that sound like Arnold. That's my question. <laughs> do you think do you think that casting Dolph Lundgren in this role was Stallone's way of having Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie without dealing with having Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie? <laughs> I think I have a note here. Am I remembering something? No, maybe I'm remembering because I did. Um, I've done Masters of the Universe. Yeah, you're deep. You're deep other... in Dolph. Yeah, I'm deep into Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> um, for one of these movies, Schwarzenegger trained him. Okay. <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> in trained him in acting. Yeah, no, no. Because that would no. that's equally plausible. <laughs> That's totally plausible. <laughs> because there were so many moments in watching this movie back where, you know, it's like the, the, the haircut, the way he's filmed, the way he speaks, the the way his character is scripted. Um, it's the, and the fact that Stallone cast Dolph Lundgren because he thought he had a punchable face, that this is, this mm-hmm. is Ersatz Arnie. Not to take anything right. away from Dolph Lundgren, who... Gives a, so this is my question very, for you, though. Um, gives a very striking performance that is all his own. I'm just saying, from Stallone's point of view, I wonder whether this is like right. I can have Arnie without dealing with without dealing with dealing the with Arnie. Arnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me on the viewing of this movie, I really tried to hone in on performances. And without saying almost anything, Dolph Lundgren yeah. gives a really strong performance. Yeah. Um, He's a great there's, villain. There's, a, there's maybe one or two moments where it looks like he has trapped wind. But beyond that... Uh-huh. I think he's excellent. I think he's, you know, he's... Re- he's Again, like, you know, we're coming off... I mean, this is not his debut, but pretty close, right? Do you know what his debut is? That's my trivia question for you, friend. Uh, well, I know, I know he's um, he's an out of focus uh, background character in View to a Kill. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you really think you were going to get that one past me? Stand correct. Is there any world in which that would get past me? <laughs> Um, I should have known. You should have known, yeah. 
Uh, but um, I am properly shamed. <laughs> but you know, this is this is again, this is like an early film uh, for for Lundgren in the same way it was an early film for Mister T. Yeah, and it's definitely it's definitely as impressed. You know, you have that same feeling of who is this guy? Right. Like, what's he about? You know, like like he's making you know he's making very striking but very strange acting choices. And I and you know I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want, <laughs> I you know I don't want to watch the same performance again and again. Right. I love I love the fact that he's different and interesting and you know you're curious about him as well as enjoying what he's doing on screen. And beyond anything, he strikes me. Uh, he he looks everything that he does to me like smacks of a real athlete, like an actual professional athlete. Hmm. That's what yeah, I buy that. You know, that's that's what I took away from this one. And then, like you said, there are little moments, and it's always when he's not speaking. I, I like you know yeah. In that first round against uh, Apollo Creed, when clearly that fight should have been stopped, but <laughs> but they they ring the bell, and and Rocky Balboa looks at him, and just the head shake he gives, like. How dare you have gotten let that old man get in the ring with me? Yeah, it's really great. I, I agree. Yeah, he's doing a, a lot with very little. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Rocky Four, a 1985 film directed once again by Sylvester Stallone. This would, however, Tom be. The last movie he directs until Rocky Balboa. And if you had yeah. asked me that before we started <laughs> this series, I would have thought there's no way that he would let all the movies he's done pass uh, without his doing them himself. But uh, that's yeah, kind of remarkable it's sort to of, me. Yeah. I mean, he's he sort of had, for a few years following this he's in very good hands directorially mm-hmm. Rennie Harlan and who did Demolition Man ooh but any but you know regardless like he's he's working with good uh, good people right uh and then there's a period where he's not working with good people <laughs> yes um and the and you know the the films show that but it's you know as we'll go on to discuss when he comes back directorially as Rocky Balboa you think what you know wow him directing his own movies makes a huge difference to the quality of them mm-hmm. and I think that's when we start to realize that you know he maybe he's not a journeyman director he's like closer to an closer to an auteur no wonder i couldn't remember the director of demolition man marco brambilia because <laughs> i don't know who the fuck that is okay no i have no, <laughs> idea, I have no idea who the fuck that is but uh what the demolition man is is one of the best movies of the 90s yeah i love that movies so uh well all right so now let's get uh, take care of some business here uh rocky four we're starting to get into the land tom Sadly for me, because I list this as my second favorite movie in the series. But we're starting to get into the land of diminishing returns. 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whereas, oh, critically. Critically, yeah. Oh, fuck it. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, I'm done with them. I've been done with them since, was it Was it Halloween? I think well, it was Halloween. But, but it is a barometer for 
for how critics have viewed this movie, because uh, this movie was widely panned at yeah, the time. Yeah, but this one's always this one's always going to take a hit because it's stupid. <laughs> no, but it's still I mean, good. It's a, I mean, anyone who's trying to argue this isn't a stupid movie is on a is know, wrong. Is on a yeah. losing streak. Yeah, yeah. They probably have gotten a little punchy themselves. <laughs> I think they're they're got that Rocky Five brain damage. Yeah, <laughs> that comes and goes. That <laughs> completely comes and goes as as, as does, convenient to the plot. As does his eyesight. As does his old age. As does his ability to fight. His age. Thought about who that. Are his age. Bigger and stronger than him. There's no end. Oh. Uh, uh, however, this movie smash hit. Uh, he ups the budget for himself, budget of thirty million, but an opening weekend of nineteen point nine million in the USA, one hundred and twenty-seven point eight million, and in the world, three hundred point four million. And How much do you think of that budget was spent on dry ice? Fifteen percent, twenty percent. Just for that one dream sequence, or not dream, but you know what I mean. Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't know what a dream sequence is in the context of this movie. Yeah. If you told me it was all a dream, I well, would say sure. As I've as I've stated before, uh, several times, I think there's a <laughs> one of my notes is this movie is thirty one point nine percent montages. <laughs> <laughs> You've revised that figure since we Yeah, I, I think I rounded down before. I said 30. <laughs> you but, rounded down. <laughs> I think you should round up. I think rounding up tells 32, the story yeah, better right, than right. rounding down. But the second half of this movie is 50% montage. Well, my theory is Which that is he's... Which is fucking the, amazing. <laughs> like, come on. The movie is set in Russia, so it's his it's his homage to the um, Eisensteinian montage cinema of the 1920s. If you say so. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think we've discussed before that Stallone is uh, great at all of these movies, except I believe Balboa. I don't remember seeing something for Balboa. I'll have to look that up again. But he gives uh, Rocky IV 7.5 out of 10. Stallone himself. And that, but we also reflected that that must be an outdated figure because he clearly th- thinks less of it as of 2021 because he we have seen him the whole live thing. talking yeah. about this movie within the past few weeks. Yes. And we should address that, should we not? Yeah, uh, I mean, so I think maybe we should do like a Halloween 5, shouldn't we? Yeah. Should we save that for for the end? Yeah, we should save that for the end, but just, just to... to make viewers aware that uh, there is a very recent but there is yeah there is a director's cut of this movie different cut of this movie that we have both seen that we saw together yeah. uh, in a movie theater that was preceded <laughs> by a live interview with Stallone from Philadelphia correct so we'll talk about that later on in the podcast and as as I believe I remember you said it was a unique experience having to watch that movie with me next to you in the seat, or rather, in the seat next to you. Well, I just, I no, it was, it, I just, it was, you know, it, it was like, it was like attending a sports event. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't reacting to it as if it was a movie. You were watching it as it, uh, uh, very appropriately, as if it was a piece of, you know, sports theater. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I love it. I love that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in a way, I wish that I wish there was more of the original Rocky Four feeling in it because, yeah, then you know that that reaction would be more justified. <laughs> exactly. But you, you know, you were reaching for those mo- for those kind of um, those showy moments that were still in the right. Cut. Well, and they were still they were still there. And so let's talk about. I think it's time to to talk about time in this movie. <laughs> Have you been putting it off as well? Yeah. Because I gave the last movie a pass on its timeline. Focus. Right. Temp- temporarily, <laughs> these movies are starting to. It's not as egregious as Rocky Five, but we're starting to get into it's some pretty shit. Bad. Yeah. Because we've because we're we're saying that three years is. Three, three days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, the one thing... Well, he just got back from the fight. But what we don't know is the amount of time from his fight with Clever Lang to with Apollo Creed. Oh, that's true. And I think we talked about it, you know, in the last episode. I think we gave lip service to it. <laughs> it's not, it's course, not years, though, is it? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we said... Uh, I, I, I can't remember if we actually gave a time, but I if we no. did, I'm sure we would have said it's there's no way it's longer than six months. No, he's healed for sure. Right. Uh, he's healed, so there's a, there's a a bit of a gap. Um, but yeah, I I don't <laughs> I I don't think it's long enough that it helps. Right. <laughs> I think that's my answer. <laughs> so. But, um, you know, yeah, carry on, the, yeah. Well, the one thing I'll give to Rocky Three is you have you you know they clearly say that he's had eight title defenses and they have a music montage at the beginning yeah. of that movie. It should be 1980. I figured out you could get away with it being 1980 because if it, I I have to be that generous to it because I cannot conceive that the movie Rocky Three takes place in the 70s. And I will not concede that that's the case. But it's conceivable it does. But we know factually it cannot. Right. But So we're already about we're already about two years ahead of ourselves, I would say. I like the thing is, is they make it seem like it hasn't been that much amount of time. Like you, I would never say that I would actually say it's later than nineteen eighty. It might actually be eighty two. But it's not. It can't. That, I I I did the math. I figured it out. It can't be. But it doesn't matter. What do you let's mean? just like, say it's 1980, it and it still kind of works. Why can't it be? Because of things they say that are too specific in that press conference about how much time has passed that they didn't need to say. Oh really? Yeah. This is. I didn't want to talk about that because I was like, okay, let's just say it's 1980. We can go on from there. Right. The big problem, I think... I always thought of it in terms of, like, usually a fighter... Usually, you're not going to have a fighter fight more than once a year. And he's had eight title defenses. But there's no way it's been eight years. There's no way it's been eight years. And there's no way that Rocky waits a year to have a a fight at this... So I was thinking, maybe he's fighting every six months. But, um... And that would work out. Like, 78 to 82. (laughs) Okay, let's say that then. It's not true, but let's say that. All right. Uh, but the uh, what one of the huge problems here, timeline wise, is that we're entering the world of geopolitics. Yes. Where timeline matters. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. 
So we have to be in 85 because Mikhail Gorbachev Because the entire not... world, yeah, is in 1985. Mikhail Gorbachev was not chairman of the Russian Communist Party before 1985. <laughs> exactly. So he literally would not be in that position. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, he arrived... So Rocky arrives home, like, a few hours after his fight with Creed. His son has aged several years. Several, yeah. Um, and not as egregious as the next movie. No, it's it's even worse than the next movie. Uh, and you're starting to get the sense that one of the kind of key pleasures of the series, which is picking up directly after the last movie ended, mm-hmm. is starting to compromise the series. Right. It's t- we should be mo- we need to move beyond that if we're going to make the timeline work, or it's or it's it's gonna. It's the accumulation of it is is going to keep us, you know, in the early 1980s when it's like. So, but I think it, it's interesting because fairly recently we've done the Halloween series. Yes. And speaking of rough timelines. Right. And we gave we gave an awful lot of lip service to what Halloween four chooses to ignore, which is that yeah. the, the the villain and the main hero or or one of the two main heroes were blown up. <laughs> oh yeah. Sure. And that it's still they still managed to make it work within the narrative somehow, like through a miracle. Yeah. But like yeah. you're saying, this movie is choosing to ignore something within the last uh two sequels, but it does feel like it's compromising <laughs> the movie a little bit it does if this movie were anything other than ridiculous be, yeah if this movie was it was attempting some level some degree of realism it might be a bigger problem than it is you're right about that yeah but we we, we learn very early on in this movie that uh that, that we're in another dimension now right we're in an alternate reality oh i found my note arnold did train lundgren for this movie Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> to me, that seems like putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> to to use a, to use a later image from this movie, <laughs> where we see both horses and carts. Right. <laughs> uh, used to. But that's. I mean, that's also fascinating. You could make a. You could make a Rocky like movie about about Arnie training Dolph Lundgren for a Rocky movie. Yeah. Right. With all the same dynamics, tensions, yeah. <laughs> it would play just as beautifully. <laughs> That's great. Um, so this is the this is uh, going to the very beginning. This is the first time we're not really getting the inspirational music with the slow crawl of Rocky <laughs> going across the screen. Instead, we have the the slow gloves. Well, with the well, you say you say slow, they then explode. Right. So slow. <laughs> I'm going to say the slow. The slowness slow, doesn't really matter if you explode. Slow coming up and moving to the side, followed by quick, quickly ramming into each other and exploding. And one's and of course is... an American flag, and the other one is a uh, Soviet Union flag. Right. So we we've taken the the the, the title music and footage from the previous movie and we've added explosive patriotism yes right which 
tells you everything you need to know about right at the start of the movie you have you have all the information for <laughs> what this movie is going to be about and you, you and for you know you get the sense for the first time that propaganda and fantasy are high on the list of priorities here mm-hmm. and that turns out to be more true than you could possibly imagine <laughs> But I, re- I, I'm gonna say like I've noted, I put in my notes that there's a lot of really good narrative choices up front in this movie. Mm-hmm. The first one being, and you know, this might seem a foregone conclusion when you've seen all the movies together multiple times, but they have a choice here to make about whether or not they tell us who won the the um, behind closed doors fight between Rocky and Creed. Right. And they make the right decision, which is to never tell us. Until a later sequel. Or not, I, I don't know if you can count it as a sequel, but they reveal Oh, is it, it in, in one of the Creed movies? Yeah, it's in one of the Creeds. The oh, first I blocked one, that I out. That's a shame. But anyway. Um, but I think but, you're right. But, the, the, yeah. but I do wonder, like, again, I'm constantly trying to put my place, uh, my, um, well, you, well. I don't. I don't need to. I could just ask you. What do I do? I, I want to put myself in the place of someone who saw this movie in the theater. Yes. I have Mike Chance right in front of me. What am I talking about? <laughs> was this a disappointment to you? No. No. You thought it was the right choice even back then. Even back then. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because that's my. I mean, that's the way I've always felt about it. But I wonder if, like, you know, it's like the the Who Shot Jr. of the Rocky series. But it's interesting and, you say but that. But we never found out who shot Jr. Right. <laughs> it's, it it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I'm a teenager when this movie came out. Yeah. So I think maybe there's a part of me that um, feels uh, moviegoer savvy. To, to think that as a teenager, even, that was something yeah. that wasn't a disappointment. No, um, that's impressive. I, I, I can I can imagine people be like, oh, you know, what a what a scam, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, they made a promise to. You us could imagine they, that there were people that, that walked out of the movie thinking it's like uh, having seen Empire and going into Jedi and finding out nothing like on that level. Yeah, no, that's what I'm. That's that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. But again, but you not know, for me, and the, not not even at the time. It's the smart choice, yeah. you know. We're back to secret smart guy. He has a very obvious choice in front of him, and he makes the. And I do think you can, one. like, like he, like you can infer a little bit, because he he's clearly he's got the black eye. Yeah, but you know, he just walks into a ring and he gets a black eye, right? You know, it's like. <laughs> but I'm saying it's a choice where you could think, because, like, cause yeah. he also has a line where he's like, what happened to your face? Uh, where his son is questioning him. And With first he asks him, where'd you get that hat? And he said, a friend gave it to me. And he said, mm. who hit you in the face? He says, same friend. And just something in the performance of Stallone in that moment makes me think, oh, I think he did lose that fight. Yeah. So, Fair enough, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just you know, um, sensible enough to keep it open. Uh, and that's the last uh, note of ambiguity I I noted in the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> everything else is pretty straightforward. I mean, so, and you know, like let's face it, we're <laughs> we're at we're at Seco. 
Well, okay, I want to talk about... So, first of all, Rocky Jr. appears, several years older, yes. wielding a camcorder with a, quote, loud personality. So the movie's, like, very... First of all, very self-conscious about throwing commodities in your face. Mm-hmm. And also that this is a more family-oriented movie by put by pushing the kid up front so prominently. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me that there's a two very conscious moves here, and then the next few scenes through through Seiko, uh, through the snake watch uh, gift that he gives to Adrian. Um, that's borne out that you know we we, we get sequences which are just filled with product product placement. And annoying children. <laughs> right? And things that appear in kids' movies like robot maids. <laughs> Not even kids' movies. The jet that's the Jetsons. Right. <laughs> well, so let's talk about yeah, let's talk about Seiko. I mean we've done a whole fucking episode on Seiko, but right. like, we we've gotta readdress Tune it. Tune into last year's Christmas episode, everyone. But uh when we found out that Stallone was recutting this movie, the first thing we knew was that Seiko the robot was uh, taking a dirt nap, so... <laughs> and apparently that meant the whole first half hour of the movie had to go as well. Yeah. But, okay, that that was that was his choice, right. really. Um, we both... Well, we'll save it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about it later. So, for a lot of people, just to sort of put it in context, for a lot of people, this is the nuke the fridge moment of the movie. This is the point at which they can no longer take Rocky seriously. Obviously, a robot in a movie carbon dates us in the mid 80s in a in a very serious way but you know what and maybe i think maybe i said this a year ago as well i think this is again about setting expectations mhm this is telling us this is a science fiction movie <laughs> i'm convinced of that mike oh wow and the and the, the next few scenes are going to double down on that I, you know, listen, he's a secret smart guy, but you might be giving him a little too much credit. I'm not saying this is smart. I'm saying, well, I'm not saying it's smart in terms of intelligence. I'm saying it's smart in terms of saying this is the movie you're about to see. Mm -hmm. It's, and it makes it difficult to criticize. I, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like, um... Because as it's a, as, awful. A, as a, yeah it's yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but as I understand it, he just saw something like it somewhere and wanted to put it in the movie. Well, we no he I he in that interview that we saw prior to the director's cut screening, he said this is this is the actual quote here. A robot talked to me in a pizza parlor, so I had to put it in the movie. That's, yeah, that's what it was. A pizza parlor. That's amazing. <sighs> but I gotta tell you, I don't know what my favorite part of that sentence is. I don't <laughs> think I, I don't think I can decide. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to decide. <laughs> we shouldn't have to. Oh, I know. But I want to teach that sentence in school. Like. <laughs> All right, kids, now pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. 
So much going That's on in that That's amazing. Um, I got to tell you, though, it's it's just patently absurd. But Yeah, of course. But there's something about that song. The boom, 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 boom. And that fucking, <laughs> and the editing of it, that fucking bot rolling in, and then happy birthday, Polly. I mean, the giant, the giant Sony letters. Oh my god! <laughs> it's just <laughs> there. This is like this is the infomercial part this, of the movie. This is this is like this is the super secret smart guy to me of Stallone, where he could put in something so stupid and ridiculous, and yet for some reason it still works. Yeah, and I think it which works is like, what the- I could say about this entire movie. Yeah, by the way, it, for for all the for all the reasons, you know, for all the reasons we've said, plus the fact I think we know there's going to be a big shift in genre again, mm-hmm. and it's going to lead towards the fantastical side of things. Lean. So you put a you put a ro- <laughs> lean, lean. Okay, it's going to lurch. It's going to die. It's going to lurch into pu- okay. I'll say it. It's going to lurch into pure fantasy. <laughs> all right, I said it. Um. So you stick a robot that cannot possibly exist in this historical context <laughs> in so early on in the movie after the exploding boxing gloves. Right. You know where you're at. Yeah. You are in you're in no two minds about where this movie's going. You're you're in La La Land. All right, let's let's take our first break. Okay. Let's take a break. Yeah, we're we're a couple of minutes into the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a first break and we'll come back and talk more Rocky IV. We have to get to the actual fucking plot. Yeah. All right. Right after this. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. You want me to start again? Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Tom and I are here discussing the 1985 fucking gem, Rocky IV. 
directed twice by Sylvester Stallone. Is that the most redundant <laughs> date in film history? <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you ever need to say 1985 for, for Rocky IV? For Rocky IV. <laughs> Rocky IV, you could say Rocky IV. As a, you know, you could say Rocky Four as a substitute for 1985. Mm-hmm. You know, the year of Rocky Four. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny. So, I mean, we we were discussing before how far we got into this movie. Because, like, that whole first segment that we talked about is gone out of the recut. And we yeah. start the, the story in earnest. We start with Apollo in the pool. And we start with Apollo in the pool. So the the crux of of where this story is going is um, Apollo Creed has seen a giant Russian enter America and he shall not let this stand. Yeah, and this is is my second second good choice Uh up top in this movie. Like... Choose, choose, because you could have conceivably. I know in this series, you know, this series is pathological about, like, beginning this, beginning the current movie with the end of the last movie. So you knew it was going to be the Creed Rocky behind closed doors fight mm-hmm. because of because of convention. But it can also see a world in which he's like, oh well, let's just end with the with the Mister T fight and go into the next one. But it seems to me because this movie is. This is, you know, Creed dies in this movie, spoiler alert. <laughs> and so starting, it, it's a fitting introduction to a movie in which that happens. And uh, we pick up with Creed far earlier than, than we do in previous movies, yeah. I think. Uh, as a central character. Right. Um, and because, they really well, are. Because cause he's only got another like half yeah, hour in the he's movie. He's only got but... another 20 minutes or so. But it's you know this is this this is very much sort of it, again we're sort of changing the folk the character focus, uh, and yeah I guess that's an inversion as well that this is about Creed versus another opponent. Yeah, it's a bit of an inversion that. I suppose. But and you also have other inversions. What we haven't talked about is, uh, um, I mean, this movie is like like I said, it's montage heavy, but it's lean on time. This is only a 90-minute movie. Which is fascinating. And that's the first time for the Rocky series. And so we don't see any training for Apollo. We don't see... Right. So we don't have a training montage for a fight we're going to see. And that's a bit of an inversion, too. Yeah, and it's really interesting because we, you know, we usually... We found that when sequels get shorter, it's a red flag. Right. But actually, the opposite is true in this series. Because they, because we go from like Rocky three and Rocky four get progressively shorter, mm-hmm. but it wor- but that works, works for, for them. The, those movies, and then Rocky five is a lot longer, Way too long. than those two movies, <laughs> and it doesn't work. Yeah, so it's counterintuitive to sequel logic, but it works for the series. So actually, the red flag is that they get longer. I think. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Um. But yes, no, absolutely. It's it's uh, which is another which is you know another disappointment from the director's cut is it's like it's already lean, mm-hmm. it's like it's al- you already edited it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you edited this. There's only shit so much you movie. can edit without it not existing, right? <laughs> um, 
But and, again, you know, we've talked of... in the past about uh, the joke, the jokes of this, this this series, and Apollo comes over to the house and he's talking to both Rocky and Adrian about what he wants to do. Yeah. And Adrian is saying she doesn't think it's a good idea, not for either of them. How much more can you take? But there's Polly pouring a beer into a champagne flute. Yes. And then they take the time, like Stallone as a director, takes the time to put a reaction shot on Carl Weathers as he's watching this happen. And it's well, really it, it, like subli- this sublime small moment where, and th- these, these movies are just filled with these moments of, of like just a pop of a joke. Oh, completely. Yeah. St- still at this point in the series, the comedy is on point. Yeah. Um, but you know, Carl Weathers in this scene is all reaction shots because <laughs> right. Paul, Paulie's, Polish Pauline pouring beer into a champagne flute. There's a robot a... maid spinning around in the background. <laughs> and now she... Rocky, Rocky's kid is four years older than the last time he saw him. <laughs> and Carl Weathers is registering all, all of it. it in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Polly, the but, robot's yeah. now talking like a seductress. Pa- yeah. Polly says she loves me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I found it a stretch that Paulie was Rocky's trainer. So to go from that to an interspecies relationship with a robot, it's <laughs> it's really. I thought I thought I thought Paulie being of any use to Rocky as a trainer was stretching credulity. So imagine how I felt about this. <laughs> but we're constantly. I mean, we're starting to intercut uh, Rocky and Creed with. Um, Drago. Right, we're getting uh, the pounds per pressure. We're getting... And this is, an, you know, continuing the sci-fi theme, you know, with we're watching him uh, ex- we're watching him um, experience, quote, the technology of human performance. Right. Which is sort of like three quarters of the way to saying he's a cyborg. <laughs> right? Which he will play sometime later in Universal Soldier, right? right? <laughs> He's not far off that here. Yeah. Uh, and um, you know, and then we've got we've got we've got robots mating with humans. I mean, what's? <laughs> so I mean, we're we're not we're not in we're not in our reality anymore. <laughs> exactly. But it's interesting you mentioned you know like Adrian is is the naysayer again and. I feel like one of not that it really matters in the frame of the kind of movie this is, but we get a lot of character flip flopping in this one. Mm-hmm. We you know, like Adrian becomes anti fight again out of nowhere, having come to terms with the fact that she's fine with them fighting. Like in the previous two movies, suddenly like Creed showed an incredible amount of self knowledge in the last movie about who he was as a fighter the the decisions he'd made right. the mistakes he'd made now he seems to have forgotten all of them yeah and suddenly rocky is the guy who understands everything yeah exactly <laughs> right um he's got that then, great line where he says uh you know look at us there like we can't do that anymore we're like becoming yeah. regular people and regular this is another this is definitely a fantasy moment to me because basically they're they're talking about themselves as if they're superheroes right at this point it's like they're saying you know it's like the superman 2 dilemma of can i just be clark kent or do i have to be superman as well mm-hmm. that's the crisis that they're going through which again is like 
pushing this into comic book territory. Right, and because, you know, even before Creed's fight, he's saying, I'm in the best shape of my life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he always, but the only evidence we have for that is him throwing balls at some Labradors. Right. <laughs> In a pool, stationary. But to your point on the superhero thing, because when Rocky gets into his training montages, I mean, he is a superhero. Yeah, completely. I mean, yeah, once we get to, I mean, you know, once we get to that point, so much has happened that you don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. But, but by that point, it is like... You, you, it's like you are looking at a comic strip mm-hmm. of, you know, the montage has become a, a like a, you know, Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin. And, and uh, like much. to your point about what Rocky, like Rocky does see everything. I mean, he even in that same scene, he's he's cognitive enough to say, uh, do you think this fight isn't you against the Russian and he says, is it "You against you." Yeah, he says, "Well, who are the, Which is who the hell else Creed is it against, Stallion?" He goes, movie. You think maybe it's you against you? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, and I think we're just sort of again. It's like whatever's convenient for the plot at this point. Mm-hmm. Whatever helps us get to the next scene. <laughs> but you know, they're all still performing. But, the, but it there's well. yeah, there's like these the, the, you know, there's that's an a, honesty. There's an honesty about how about their acting and how they're relating to each other just in the larger scheme of the series it doesn't make sense because the character has hit on what is actually happening with the other character the character's right about that completely yeah yeah just that it only works in this scene of the movie (laughs) you have to ignore a lot and retrospectively ignore a lot for it to make sense and Um, so i mean we and we haven't talked a lot because um you know, the, the, like coming up next, we have the the press conference, and so we're getting yeah. a little more Bridget Nielsen and Michael Pataki. Speaking of Halloween Four, is back. Yes, <laughs> and he's great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think actually, so is Bridget Nielsen. Like they're both she great. Is, she is really good. Uh, Ludmilla is a is a really is a potentially interesting character who. <laughs> Weirdly, even in Creed 2 doesn't get... I mean, she's basically a cameo in that. Yeah. But um, she never gets fleshed out as much as you want her to because the performance is good and the idea of the character is is great. Right. And as a variation on both Adrian and... Well, at this point, she's only called Mrs. Creed, which I find <laughs> rather insulting, right. given how important she becomes in later movies. Um, she's a variation on that and... It would be interesting to, you know, like, like to see some of the positives of the the wife getting involved in the husband's uh, career. Yeah, but like, you know, Stallone takes the time but, but we to can't because say she's, that she's Russian. Yeah, so she's an Olympic athlete. So right. she knows that world. There's that great moment with Pataki when somebody when they're doing the pounds per pressure scene, I believe. And they're saying, you know, we've heard reports of steroids and drug use. And she kind of looks over yeah. at him. He like slight shake of the head, and she's like, "No, Ivan is naturally trained." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, it's... just like like Stallone can hit on great little moments with, and and there's enough great little moments even within this movie um, to for me, like everything he wanted to try to put back in in the recut is kind of already there. Yeah, I agree. There, I agree. Definitely agree with that statement overall. Yeah, 
I, I won't get to um, it when I don't, we get to it. I don't think it, they're... Ex- I think the problem... The problem with Ludmilla is there just doesn't exist the footage, even right. after Creed 2, of any shades of grey to the character. Yeah. And it would have been interesting to go in that direction. You know, in 2017, it would have obviously been a good thing to do. Right. But... She is, you know, she's the... She's but even the, in this um, movie... She's a femme fatale. She's very clearly coded as a femme fatale. Uh-huh. Like, traditional film noir femme, femme fatale. At one point, she drags on uh, her Russian government sponsor's cigarette. Right. Which, you know, she's a puppet and or whore of the Soviet Union. But I do right? think that there's something within... And it's completely unspoken, and maybe I'm just reading into it, but there's... There's something within the performance itself that I read that she has put all her eggs in her husband's basket. Yeah, correct. correct absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm and none of this is on the shoulders of, of Bridget. It's all about. No. Yeah. And it, you when you know, once we get to the exhibition fight, there's a scene that was taken out of the director. Yeah, I know. I was surprised where she goes. where she sort of we you know, we, we sense she's being disingenuous, but. She is making the gesture of going over to quote Mrs. Creed mm-hmm. and saying, you know, uh, good have luck, a good fight. You know, and she says, of, luck, of, have a good fight. Of course, and they're athletes, not soldiers. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, so it's a shame that was taken out because I, I do think that's a nice moment that speaks to what you're talking yeah. about. Um, and you know, where we get into. Uh, we, so well, we here, get into some our... ugly male shit though when Creed is trying to convince Rocky to let him do this one last fight, where he's you know saying we have a killer instinct and we can't turn it off and we gotta be in action and need challenges and you know we we, it, we it he is, says we need think... a war to fight. But I don't. I think it's I, I think it's melancholy. I don't think the the movie's behind it because of what happens to Creed. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think there's a detachment from that. I think that's we're definitely saying that's how Rocky and Creed see the world, but I don't think we're saying that's how the world should be seen. Okay, yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but um, no, I think you might be right about that. Because he do, his life does end. He in does a die. Tragedy that could have been averted <laughs> if he just stayed in his pool throwing tennis balls at his Labradors. Right. Which looks like fucking heaven to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um but but i mean it's weird we get so i've talked in previous episodes about how sequel inversions have become like musical chairs here like everyone is like jumping into new roles in the movie Mm -hmm. and sort of out of nowhere rocky becomes creed's mickey yeah and he that's what i mean there's like not a training scene there's not there's not a lot to there, there, there's no meat on that bone, and that's an interesting bone. Like I want, I wanted to. Well, yeah, chew but on I it. mean, again, we that goes back. You know, like people, we do the musical chairs rotation about three more times in this movie mm-hmm. to the point where you almost don't notice that it's happening. Yeah. Um, but it's fascinating because you know there are echoes of Mickey when he says, "Let's postpone a couple of weeks." Like when he sees that Creed's not ready for the fight. That's right. a total Mickey move. Yeah. Um. And maybe I don't know. Maybe I like the fact that that's understated. That 
he doesn't start by saying, you know, Mickey once said to me, which is how it will go in the next movie. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No, in fact, in fact, Burgess Meredith's ghost would appear yeah, exactly. and say it to Rocky, and then he would say it to Creed. But um, Get up, you I like son the fact that it's just sort of, it's just underplayed. Like, hey, you know, clearly he's channeling Mickey, but no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that a lot. And then, I mean. I'm, you know, this such like full fantasy now. Now let because we're because we got. But also, I mean, for so many reasons, this is one of my favorite sequences in the franchise. Oh yeah. But I, I, I am not laughing at this scene at no, all. No, not think me. It is incredible. I think it's so good. <laughs> Listen, I, I. So here's what I think. Like you talk about propaganda. If you show right. the scene <laughs> exactly. to immigrants at Ellis Island, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> as they came into America, you you, you would you, you wouldn't be able, like you'd have to break down the border. There'd be too many There'd people be trying to get. There'd be so many it. people flooding in. It's well, I mean, it's so put it in context. It's a goodwill exhibition fight in Las Vegas <laughs> between Creed and Drago. A goodwill exhibition fight, which is interesting because it, it feels like it's going to be another one of those frivolous matches like the Hulk Hogan one. And it starts off that way, but does, but not, does end not end that way. way. <laughs> so it's another inversion. Um, but but it then, of course, we have ex- James Brown. Well, this ex- firstly, this extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily shot, I think this is where the dry ice budget went. Right. Of, of Drago rising from the basement. Yeah. And... This ba- this basement is just austerity and fear. Like right. those are the two words I think of. You've got Ludmilla and um, you know his Russian sponsor standing there looking at him ominously. There's dry ice everywhere. There's nothing in there's nothing in the basement, and he rises like into the from the darkness. But into you can the see light. the mechanics of everything, and it's it's it, it kind of looks. Comes you out you into, kind of imagine I mean, like, that maybe. That maybe maybe Drago has spent some time in Siberia, you know, yes. like he got banished for a month for not, not taking the drugs or something, and he's just yeah. sort of sheepishly looking around, like, oh, I don't like where I, you know, it's like he's suffering from PT. But it's, yeah. like, I mean, it's like the wizard. It's like the um, it's it's like Dorothy arriving in Oz, uh-huh. isn't it? We go from we go from a world of 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 you know, uh, of nothing and no color to the, mo- to the, <laughs> the most, most color. spectacular thing you've ever seen. And this is, this is, this is such an interesting scene for, obviously, you know, that East West culture class is perfectly represented visually by, by going from this dark, ominous basement to this world of pure showmanship upstairs. Right. Um, but, What's fascinating to me about it is, and you know, to me, this is like movie. a remarkable choice from Stallone too, because yeah, it's not like James Brown is at the top of his height and fame in 1985. No, but but he has like Stallone has the the again secret smart guy. He picks the showman of showmen. Oh, oh, exactly. I mean, and what a you know like, one of the but one of the true I mean one of the choice. true greats of American music, right? I mean, fuck Survivor, fuck you know this is like <laughs> exactly. Elvis caliber performer, right? Mm-hmm. 
that's the difference here. It, it, I mean, it's literally like, okay, we want to show what the best of America is. Right. L- Loud and, and obnoxious. And that's what they give you. <laughs> no, but but that's the thing. Like in another movie, you could this would be grotesque. Mm-hmm. But in here, it is entirely celebratory, and I really respect that. It's excessive, but there's no note of critique anywhere. Well, because yeah, because what's there is it's like yes, this is pure entertainment. This is spectacular. This is what is great about America, and it's what this fight is supposed to be. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, in a storytelling sense, it's brilliant too because all of Creed's hubris is building and building, building and, and building. building through the sequence, and that balloon is coming popped. out as Uncle Sam dancing to James Brown. But yeah, you know, if you ask me what's great about America, it'd be Las Vegas, James Brown, sport, you know, like, sports. Yeah. Sports heroes. I mean, that's really what it is, isn't it? And you get all of it in this sequence. Yeah. But it reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen Nashville, but there's an amazing sequence in Robert Altman's Nashville where you get this, like, 20-car pileup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And the camera pulls back, and like the, the pulling back almost sort of says, like, you know... Isn't America great? <laughs> Look at all this crazy shit that happens. <laughs> and that's what I feel in this same sequence. I think it's that good. I feel um, the same with the Blues Brothers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I just think, and I like the. You're absolutely right about like how good a choice James Brown is, but it's not the obvious choice. Yeah. I also think introducing him this way is a very smart. Oh choice. yeah. Because there's a there's definitely a world in which this movie would would blow that reveal. He'd have his name in the titles, mm-hmm. or there'd be a piece of dialogue going, "Hey, we're gonna go to Vegas and get James Brown." Yeah. But Stallone knows, just having him appear, literally like in a puff of smoke, right. <laughs> is the showman move. It's the right move. And he's got no that... one's expecting it. I never expect no. it. I always forget James Brown. And he's got movie. that great camera angle because, like, you don't even see him right away when the song starts. The song no, starts, I... and then let's like for, down from below, and all of a sudden he turns around, and that's like dun 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 dun. Hey, <laughs> were, you, were you as afraid as I was that he was going to end up on the cutting room floor? I was. I was really. Stuff? Yeah, I was afraid. But I mean, how could you I mean you couldn't possibly do that? Oh, but he's tied. I mean, that's it. You're absolutely right as well. Like he's not tied to the 80s in the way that Survivor are or right. other aspects of this movie. He is just like. Well, and there's you know, also, like again, there's like greatness. little touches. Um, I, first of all, I love them like. Polly, Duke, and and Rocky all walking in, and you see the surprise on their faces. <laughs> yes, that is great. And then you see that like is... women, like the dancers, shaking ass in front of them, and yeah. and both and all of them look like Duke and Rocky both go, "Well, that's ass shaking in front of our faces." Okay, and Polly grabs that fucking stick with the skull on it. Which is amazing. <laughs> like it's it's <laughs> it's gonna be the gift he gives Seiko when he gets home. And yeah. then the last little touch is when the song finishes and James Brown goes and taps Apollo Creed's glove like they know each other. Like they <laughs> Which of course, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the Muhammad Ali card, of course, James Brown performed at the Rumble in the right. Jungle concert. <laughs> exactly. 
So they're they're playing off that. Oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That historically it makes sense too. Um, and dramatically, is it's kind of funny because it's not it's not inorganic to the series because of exactly what you're saying about the way that Rocky and Paulie are reacting to it. Mm -hmm. Because they come from this totally different world. Like boxing for them is not about showmanship. Right. It's not about performance or entertainment. Um, it's about slugging survival. Someone. You, know, it's, you know, it's about slugging someone. Yeah, repeatedly, and you know their reaction to it is part of the part of the drama too. And it builds to one of my favorite lines again in the series, and one of the most, the saddest lines in the series. Creed says, "God, I feel born again." Yeah. Um, and you kind of, I mean, if you, I don't know. Again, I could just ask you, but... That line has always stuck out to me. You would think something's wrong. You know, if you didn't know what was going to happen, you'd be like, oh, something's off here. Yeah. They're gone with a little bit of the... In John that Diabolson single moment... Christ allegory. In that single... Without going full pelt. Yeah. In that single <laughs> moment for me, I can even remember back when I first saw it when I was a kid and thinking, like, dark clouds are gathering and doom is a coming. <laughs> right. And... It's like the Last Supper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what we've just seen is basically the Last Supper, isn't it? If you're gonna go with the Christ That's allegory, amazing. which they're clearly pushing here. <laughs> See, you know, J John G. Avelson didn't like the direction this series went in, but this is a good bit of Christ allegory that he would be proud of, right? I think if he if he could get you know, if he could get past his own. Uh, pathological problems with the series. Right. Well, and let me just, um, before we go to break, I want to talk, because we're, we're into like this first major song, and we've talked about how this, you know, the mu music montages. Uh, I just got to talk about the music for a moment in this entire movie. I mean, I yeah. I had this soundtrack when I was a kid, and I played it's it. It's a jukebox musical. Oh, my God. The number of like huge artists and names attached to the soundtrack, whereas prior we all we'd had was like basically Frank Stallone pastiche, pastiches of of, <laughs> of traditional American music. Now we've got the we've got, like it's basically in the Rocky Three is Frank's is like Frank Stallone doing a version of James Brown. Now we've got James Brown. Right. That's the difference. And you've got Survivor coming back with Burning Heart, Hearts on Fire. Mm. That song. Yeah. For the training montage and no easy way out, which is what we're coming up on. But like <laughs> my note is my note is um, montage car ride perfection. <laughs> well, and it all has it's I'm, all connected to the music of this movie. Like the. Yeah, it's a, it's, like it's more said, of a musical than any of the other musical. And. I mean. Secret smart guy, like, he hits it out of the park with every single choice, every single time to me. And it's one of the but things it's also, that it's also about, endures like, for me for this movie. It's one of the things that lasts oh, yeah. and that I remember are all the musical choices. Right. I I, I agree. And it's, it's... I think once you go as far into fantasy as this movie goes, there's a sense of, yeah, why not? Let's make it a musical. <laughs> Like you know what I mean? There's, it's like we we we're so, we've become so utopian at this point. Yeah. We might as well be a musical as well. Um. I mean, do we do we want do we want to talk about about 
Creed first before we talk about the music video for No Easy Way Out? Or how do you want to do this? You mean the fight? Do you, do you want to do fight or song first? No, well, we, we, let's do the fight first, but let's, we'll take a break. Let's take a break okay. and then we'll come back. Let's do that. This probably is going to be a four segment. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go the distance on yeah this. we're gonna go the distance alright we'll be right back if you like podcasts like I do Boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to... Stay on target. And check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound-related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target. Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target. That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Sylvester Stallone's first attempt at Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk. Sometimes the first choice is the yeah, right choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get we'll get to it. And I I don't want to I don't want to immediately downplay. And I don't want to poo poo that recut because. Nope. Mean, mean, and I, I love to poo poo recuts. Yeah, right. That'll be on my gravestone. <laughs> he poo pooed recuts, but um, died. Or he recut, died he bravely re- poo pooing recuts. Or he recut poo poos. Um, but I have a lot to say about it, and not all of it negative. Yeah, me too. But now he's, you know, he's in the ring with the heavy bag with eyeballs. <laughs> Is it just me? Which, by the way, is another great line in that press conference. You get that heavy bag with eyeballs in the ring right now. Fucking love it. Um, Is it just me, or is there an inordinate amount of grease on these two men's bodies? Oh, no, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, it's funny because, just spoiler alert, when we saw the Rocky IV recut, I noticed... That he and Miss, that Rocky and Mister T were were pretty greasy in their fights mm-hmm. when they did the recap, but he, here is where I have the note that these just there was a budget for grease. grease. There was, I mean, it's like it's it's muscle porn. We've already had yeah. muscle porn. This is muscle porn. Plus. It was a but there was a budget line for grease <laughs> for this movie. Grease and dry yeah. ice is like <laughs> about thirty five percent of the budget. <laughs> That's why they had to up it to thirty million dollars. And did you also think that this this fight felt more more brutal and graphic than we'd seen before? That hit me this time that it was more. Maybe it's because we're having so much fun prior to it that it gets very ugly and violent very quickly. Well, I think it's because um, 
this is one of the few fights where the toll of what's happening in the ring is actually happening. That's yes. the one thing about all Rocky fights is like, let me tell you what fighters really do. They put their gloves in front of their face so you can't hit their fucking face, which is never <laughs> present in a Rocky fight. I didn't realize you were a boxing commentator. <laughs> so, um, you know, if these were real fights, usually the first mm. punch is the punch that would put somebody on the canvas because that's how good a punch yeah. it is. Right. Uh, and that's the true in this particular fight as well, but he lasts, you know, even longer than, than you know, he should have considering... Uh, what's actually happening in the ring. And so it's it's weird that like they're still they're still doing that rocky thing where they're <laughs> remarkably shaving off violence, but yeah. but it's more it is more realistic. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it's like graphic. It's more graphic, graphic. right, exactly. Yeah. So it's, the it's, hits it's, that, it's he's actually, that, that he's actually that he's actually taking yeah. are punishing. Yes, and that's something that's kind of absent in all the other fights because all the all the punches are just as graphic and as violent, but the fighters can push through it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and you know the other thing that strikes me here, I think you started to to mention it is we're fudging time again because it, it doesn't feel like this fight is taking place in real time. I mean, what does reality mean anymore? Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I guess by this stage of the movie. But um, I, I always felt that there, there was more of an effort to keep other previous fights in real time. But this is more about, you know, going for that throwing the towel moment yeah. where everything happens at once. Right. And you're like, if you think about it, you're like, well, that couldn't all happen simultaneously. Yeah. Right. We're seeing the we're seeing the action. And now we're starting like angles. I don't know if I should even talk about it yet, but um that was the one major big improvement in the recut was how he recut right. that fight and the towel part of it specifically. Well, they go for pure melodrama here of it's like stop the fight. Yeah, but not just that, but he like there is no way that even Rocky Balboa, no matter yeah. what creed is doing in the ring and uh -huh. they pay lip service in in the original cut by having a close-up on creed's face where he says no yeah as if that's what the character would do in that moment was look over to his corner see if he's getting a towel and say no don't do that i can get myself out of this situation in which i'm about to die and that's 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 the thing that Rocky Balboa, that's what Stallone used as a crutch to not throw in the towel. Whereas yeah. in any fight, you're immediately throwing in the towel in that scene. Like, I'll give him the first round yeah. and, like, Creed coming back. Yeah. And the whole thing about don't, you know, because that's actually poignant to me. I, I like that, that Apollo... Even though he know he's beaten, even though he knows he should quit right now, yeah. he looks at Rocky and says, don't you stop this fight for anything. Mm -hmm. And then in the regular cut, they have this great moment where he looks over at his wife and she is on the verge of tears. And he just, he can barely get his hand up. 
and he puts his glove up like, I got this. Hmm. So I love all of that in the first round. But after the second round starts, the first thing that anybody in the corner would do is throw in the towel. The first thing. But but uh, is it just that, you know, that it's broad strokes now and we're, we're, yeah. we're in like Herculean... You know, these are like Greek gods fighting and normal human rules don't apply. That's the sense. Well, I and get. that's the other thing. Like the, the the way it's cut in the original cut, Drago would go to jail. <laughs> he would go to jail for like second degree murder. Jail. Because a referee tries Not to stop the fight. Not jails. Yeah. A referee tries to stop the fight and he pushes him out of the way. And yeah. hit some more, and they cut all of that out in the in the recut, which is really smart. It's it yeah, and it's a little bit of a hangover from the sort of wrestling mm-hmm. movie uh, stuff from from Rocky Three yeah. as well. Like we we get we still we have some callbacks to that as well. They've not forgotten about they've not forgotten that now everything works on wrestling logic. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. I mean, yeah, and once again, we're in a movie of two halves, and right, and the look between Draco and Rocky sets up the second half of the movie, right? Yeah, it's the, it's like this is what the rest of the movie is going to be about, and he dies, and Creed dies, and another major legacy character dying before the actor dies, right? So we're we're two for two, now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And spoiler alert, we're going to be four for four. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I suppose we can talk more about this this funeral when we talk about the the cut because that's when it becomes yeah significant. But um, the funeral scene is 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 strange. Yeah. In the original, especially cut. when you see what he put back in. What what he had to play yeah, with, yeah, and, and that—that's the thing about the recut for me is that there are there are so many scenes that he puts back in, but to me, like again, your movie's ninety minutes. I'll take yeah. an hour forty-five. Put keep this movie exactly as it is, but put the scenes in that work so well. Yeah, and I'll include the scene where Adrian leaves to go to the kitchen and. Rocky follows her into the kitchen after Apollo has explained that he wants to try and fight this Russian. That's another really good scene, I think. There's, there's, a, there's a lot. I, I wonder if, and this will become relevant in the next few minutes, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if he's, again, like he's reacting to the time and thinking about, you know, what MTV has done to attention spans and... Mm-hmm. You know the rise of the music video and thinking people want lean and mean. Right. They want fast cutting. They want you know that kind of. I wonder if he's just. I mean, you know, if a robot in a pizza parlor can convince him to put a robot in the movie, <laughs> then surely the popularity of MTV music videos right. will make him think that shorter is better than longer when it comes to movies. Yeah. <laughs> but any, but it's a straight. It's it's like a. Even because I have a note here, that... I even have a note that says this funeral is an imitation of feelings. Yes, and that's exact. That's pretty much the note I. And this was before seeing the director's right. cut, right? Because the I director's wrote... cut is the complete opposite. Right, right. It's just raw emotion. Yeah, and I even without knowing what the alternative was, I could sense that this is all happening a little too quickly. Like we 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 we've got lots of you know, it's a 
lots of big emotional decisions. The funeral, the rematch, right. it's all happening a little too fast right. to be. To he feel has the authentic. press conference for the rematch without his wife there, right? <laughs> and he comes back home. And there's no time it, to have it a fight feels with like her. There's no time between Apollo dying and him yeah. going. It feels like he walks out of the, that match and goes straight into the press yeah. conference. Um. Because there's a because there's a photo magazine montage. That's the only thing dividing the two. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about like how the alternative to that is better uh, later. Uh, I like Paul. Give it. I'm not going to give much credit to to the next movie, but there's one or two to Rocky Five. But there's a, there's a few moments in this that I do think like pave the road to the next movie. That have actually they've actually thought about and picked up on when Paulie reacts to Rocky's announcement of the fight by saying "No money," yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, "Uh oh, red flag here." <laughs> See, but I've this always guy might mismanage your finances yeah. at some point in the future. <laughs> I've always taken that as uh, Paulie would never do anything for for no money. Right, but I get well, what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Or, or about... maybe, or maybe you need that. Yeah, money. I, I get what you you're saying. You need that money more than you think yeah. you do. Because <laughs> I, I went ahead and fucked up. But uh, right. um, yeah. So it's, and then we prior to. I mean, we're we're getting close to no easy way out. Uh, and we will talk about. It's that. amazing. But um, before that, I, I want to say another one of my favorite scenes, and maybe I like this movie more than I. I think. I'm telling you, it's good. Uh, it's, it's very fucking good. Good movie. One of my, again, one of my favorite favorite scenes in this movie and of the franchise. It's the scene between. Maybe this is the equivalent of your beach scene yeah. for me. I think it is. But I think of both it's, scenes. I think of this scene and yeah. the beach scene, because Rocky on the staircase, yeah. arguing with Adrian. And the reason, what I like about it is that he has gone full classic Hollywood here. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, it's a it's a callback to. Or an homage to um, Kirk Douglas and Lana Turner in Bad and the Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like, explicitly. using They're using chiaroscuro lighting from American film noir. Right. Very evidently. Um, he quotes Gary Cooper. He's gone full old Hollywood. Oh, what's the here. quote? Well, you say a ma- your man's got to do what a man's got to oh, do. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gary yeah, yeah, Cooper. yeah, yeah. Um, and I just love it. I love, I think that, gi- again, that gives it a legitimacy and a literacy that makes it more interesting than just having that well, scene. Well, it's also the first time. It's like, it's a scene from a Lifetime movie if you don't have that extra yeah. visual layer Well, to it's it, the first time. What One of the things I love about it character-wise is that Adrian will always tell Rocky the truth. Um, mm-hmm. but it, Even if that truth changes right. scene to yeah. scene. But, yes, but, but, but yes. in this in this moment, she tells him he can't win. And that's the first time I think she's ever thought he can't win. And, and even yeah. the character Rocky himself, like you see it take the air out of him a little bit. And he says, Adrian always tells the truth. Mm. But then, of course, he, he's got to America it up with a little like. And I, strangely, they cut this out of the recut and then put it in voiceover later in the movie. But he says, um, 
<laughs> is that strange given what we <laughs> Stallone's later directorial career? Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, fair point. It's strange for now. Yeah. If he was making this in 1985, it'd be strange. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you're but right. you know, he's got that little part where he says, um, "I, you know, to beat me, he's going to have to kill me." Hmm. And to do that, he's got to be willing to die himself, and I'm not sure he's willing to do that. And that kind of strikes to hmm. what we call the heart in an athlete. That that resonates for me. Like, I I love I've that scene. I've heard of athletes. I really like. I've, I've, told, I've heard of athletes. You don't have to talk about them. <laughs> fucking condescend me to fucking kill you. <laughs> Of Brad Pitt and Fury Road. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know, I know. Like it's a specific concept. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's good. Um, but uh, to <laughs> to drag it back to my frame of reference, <laughs> Talia Shire here says, "Read the papers." Yeah, right. Which is one of her most famous lines from Godfather. Yeah. Read the papers. Read the papers. It's like, how many movies does Talia Shire say read the papers in? Is that just a thing she adds in? It's not even in the script. Like she just says, uh, hey, Sylvester, I've got an idea. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, from The Godfather. We're doing a bunch you just of other had like a, You're putting in a bunch of montage of magazines and papers and stuff, right? So what if I say, haven't you read the papers? Yeah, yeah, this scene is like all Hollywood, so yeah, it fit right in, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <Fuck. sighs> that is dangerously close to how that conversation yeah, probably exactly. But this is the part we've all wanted to talk about since this podcast started, which is an actual music video. Yeah. It's, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's not a music montage. I'm going to call it a music video. Yeah. And one of the best because ever. And if you, if you, literally, if you superimpose the song credit uh, on, the, on the final shot of this, right. you could literally detach this from, from the, movie the movie and put it on MTV. And I swear to God, I think that that it at the time, that's what they did. They must have done. Yeah. There's literally just enough time for a song credit to come up at the end while he drives mm-hmm. away. Like I remember to, that. I remember it. That that is how that music video went. And to say that this is a button on the first half of the movie is An not giving understatement. Yeah, <laughs> because on. literally you can watch the seconds tick down to the middle of this movie as this scene ends. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you go on, go on HBO Max, watch this on, like scan to literally exactly halfway through the movie, you will see a car disappearing through, <laughs> through a tunnel. A tunnel. <laughs> But I mean, but everything so, yeah, it's, about it's, it, Tom, the editing, the, you know, this is the future, though. This is this is what Stallone will become uh-huh. wholesale from now yeah, on. Right? right. I mean, so because I'm trying to think of what we've had so far in the way of recap montages. I mean, we've had it. I mean, obviously, the beginnings of all of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> And here and there, we've had a little bit. We have Mickey and and Rocky watching the fight on um, on film, and a few flashes here and there, but nothing of this no. magnitude yeah. yet. I mean, this is all four movies, including, and this is where we get into well, critical and errors. because we know this movie, we, yeah, <laughs> we, we 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 like it, you can almost see the birth of it, right? Because 
Definitely. Because we know uh, Stallone's pension for showing pictures of all movies, but yeah. <laughs> at the end credits in these movies and the Rambo movies. Yeah, and, and this I, I is know like, the par- this is the first time where he's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> but the parallel goes even further with Rambo than that, because in Rambo, he starts doing lengthy montages in the fourth movie. Mm-hmm. And then again at the end of the fifth. And the pattern is exactly the same here. Right. So <laughs> it's the, the parallel goes um, so far. And I guess the, th- the thing about it is, is why this is one of the more attractive versions of the recap montage that we will see endlessly from now on in the series. Right. To me is because, because it is wrapped up in that idea of a mid-80s music video where it almost feels appropriate Mm -hmm. because of how because of the genre it's in you can get away with this level of recap right it's it reminds me of that you know that people who say that the dream sequences in the big lebowski are too excessive i'm like have you been to la yeah (laughs) this is what la is like you go there, it's this kind of well, dream. And this is where, uh, and I, this is where I thought the dry ice budget went for all the, the uh, Dolph Lundgren approaching him stealthily in the ring portions of right. this song. Um, but again... Uh, so the first half, first half of the movie's over. Yeah, first half of the movie's point. over, and I'll talk a little bit about the recut because, again, I don't think putting Dolph Lundgren in black and white is <laughs> giving me uh, too much more uh than this original cut gives me i i like i prefer the original cut well the 80s the 80s part of this is already 11 yeah exactly so you could you can't get it down to less than 10 (laughs) by cutting out Dolph Lundgren with dry eyes you know what i mean it's like you're you at that point you're really just shaving the dry ice (laughs) (laughs) sounds delicious sounds so good put some syrup on that (laughs) uh paulie's fucking a robot uh (laughs) at the very least and and maybe getting her pregnant right (laughs) unbelievable yeah but why do we like this movie so much my This movie goes to eleven. It's like uh, it's like Nigel wrote the movie for Stallone. Yeah, Nigel this is, Tufnell this is Rocky from Rocky licks my love pump. You know, Rocky Four lick my love pump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Paulie says I'm gonna have her wires tied when I get back. Which again, Which I don't want to touch that. He'd be fucking that robot. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> I thought it was interesting as well, like, after, so, so this movie is very kid forward. Mm-hmm. Like, at the beginning, you're like, oh, this is going to be like a kid's movie. <laughs> and then we get into, like, the, the Creed stuff. But then like, you okay, see the, 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 the gnarly death of a beloved character. <laughs> and then, and then when, then we, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. He has a kid who, like, speaks now and, and is a part of the movie. And... You but know, once again, this... leaving the child behind. 
as always leaving the child behind but then but rocky and rocky jr you know they they have this uh basically you know a type of scene and establishing a relationship between them that is basically the core of the next two movies for them yeah they will have this scene again and again not in a bad way in actually a very good way in like a realistic this is how father and sons you know this is like the const this is the the push and pull between father and son for the next two movies in a good way so i like that they added in that moment yeah uh because it feel you know it actually gives it, it gives life to rocky jr beyond these movies but we also have another inversion until it's reversed again but we, <laughs> we, a counter inversion yeah, we, we have an inversion followed by a counter inversion because this is the first time that Rocky will start training for a fight in earnest. I mean, I know we have mm. Rocky too, but he's not really got his back into it. But this is the first time he's willing to start training for a fight where Adrian's not in his corner. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And probably shouldn't have been there. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's that easy to get into Russia at this time. Yeah, exactly. But you have to imagine that that even within the guise of this narrative, this story, that (laughs) like like he would be able to bring whoever he wanted for his training. So well, apparently everyone, the world's press, everyone can get into Russia. And by and by to Russia, I mean Wyoming, (laughs) which is Wyoming by way of Doctor Shivago. So anyway, but I, I, was I just, uh, like I really think... I started laughing. No, listen, I started laughing then because I thought I sh- we should probably tell people Rocky goes to Russia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because because it, I'm in like it seems natural for me, but it's not right. It's this is it's not a thing that happens in in anything. Well, <laughs> when when it happens, you have to like escape again, like Gregory Hines in White Knights. <laughs> you know, oh, like, nice! You enter Russia. You're staying in Russia. Right. So he fl- he flies into Russia and the lyrics of the songs that we hear are now specifically about the movie. Yeah. But da- boom, boom, so it's like boom. a voiceover <laughs> song, right? It's so fucking good, though. And it's, that's the Survivor song, right? Yeah. And... There's no, there's no like, like Eye of the Tiger is like, yeah, that's thematically what this movie's about. <laughs> now it's yeah, exactly. like, literally like a voiceover right. written out in song, <laughs> right? Am I wrong about no, that? Or... I don't think so. Okay. Um, but it's a good version of that. And the next movie has a terrible version of that. So we should be So grateful. we should be grateful. Exactly. And uh, uh, so, again, uh, I mean, we're in the second half of this movie. We started the second half. Oh, well, I guess you're right. We ended the first half with a montage. I'd say that's more of a button. But it's like, yeah, I think it's, I think, it's bridging I think it's the, the gap between. between. So it's a part. It's It lies both in the first half and the second half of the movie. And it's a literal tunnel. Yes, exactly. Secret, Secret smart, smart guy. Secret smart guy, fucker. <laughs> and then back to back, we have two <laughs> working out montages. <laughs> I can't take this movie anymore. (laughs) So amazing. However, dispersed within that, you have Tony Burton being Tony Burton, the best fucking actor in the world. He's so good in all of these movies. I could barely stand it. When he's sitting there in front of that mirror and he's saying, 
You know what you have to do. So do it. Do it. And, this, and that was really bothered me in the in the recut because he says do it twice and he cut the second do it out of the... There's so many spiteful cuts like yeah. that that make no sense. Really made me it mad. Just, anyway, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit about that later. But um, this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's more musical chairs because even though mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it, uh, Willie is now Rocky's trainer. Even though he's basically training himself. Wait, who? Now... Is his name Willie? What's his name? You mean Tony Burton? Tony Burton, yeah. Um, Duke. His character name's Willie. No, he's though, Duke. Right? Oh, who's Willie? <laughs> I don't, maybe his first name's Willie. Maybe Duke's a... I forget. I'd have to... Okay, Duke, Duke. But I get confused because there's another Duke in the next movie. Anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so anyway, so Duke is, is now Rocky's trainer. Right. So now Duke is Mickey. Mm-hmm. After being Creed's Mickey. Exactly. But uh, we're not really... That doesn't really matter. It doesn't really play into anything. Um, <laughs> but what this says to me is like... This scene also says to me that this is now a revenge drama. Right. This is all about... Uh, this is an... Un, you know, later we'll hear that... In this version, that it's an unsanctioned fight. That this is purely personal... Mm-hmm. It's all about getting revenge for Creed, and Duke makes that explicit. It says, "Go out there, you know, like do this to avenge Creed." Yeah, um, which I find fascinating because, again, like you know, we're ad- adding another generic element to this already like overloaded generic canon. Right. Um. So I think that's uh, that's fascinating. Um. Yeah, and it's like the vision of Russia, I think, is fascinating because when he arrives at the airport, it's like a Bond movie. Mm -hmm. But when he gets to his cabin, we're in Dr. Shivago. Yeah. So we're somewhere between like 19, like 1894 and 1965, but not 1985 Russia. Again, secret smart guy, because there's a whole nother level of this movie that I think I spoke to a year ago. Because what he's setting up in this moment is science versus nature. I have that exact line here. Rocky versus Drago training. Another contrast montage. This time between Rocky's nature versus Drago's science. Boom. It must be true if we both came up with it independently. (laughs) So, Stallone working at a high fucking level. Yeah, and you know this is this is where we get into real propaganda territory. There's the sort of like, you know, the image of him helping the the farmer whose mm-hmm. uh, cart is broken. Um, so basically, he's like, <laughs> I suppose in still in Stallone's mind, in the anti-communist mind, it's like everyone's so fucking communist over here that they wouldn't even help a farmer. They'd be like, no, no, you gotta, you got to send a letter to the state right, to get your car exactly. fixed. But he just comes in and he fixes it. And he takes it on his own shoulders. He gives it a little wave as he, as he starts, you know, jogging away. And it's just, it's like fascinating to me that it's like Rocky's in Russia helping, you know, the working class. And it's like Reagan is systematically dismantling the working class in, in, in America right. while all this is going on. Um, it's But it's also interesting, like, 
nature versus science, but also Drago is made strong by technology in the state, mm-hmm. and Rocky is being made strong by the elements of the world around yeah. him. I think that's fast, and again, very superhero comic book. Oh yeah, we're dealing with here, like he's basically nuclear man at this point. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then Adrian arrives. Yeah, no matter what, is a nice romantic moment. Yeah, and really, and it breaks really up good. the two music montages. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a breakwater between music montages. <laughs> That's what she's there for. But again, kind of secret smart guy. It's it's a character moment. And so, you know. Yeah. Speaking of character moments, we forgot to mention Paulie falling in the ice yeah. in his don't tread on me jacket. Yes. And then going back and li- going back to the cabin and listening to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Right. Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, I, I have no more to say Alvin about that. Alvin and the Chipmunks but... didn't make the cut. But how is it possible? How is it possible when they get off the plane, Tom, that in the original movie they didn't put in what he put in the recut, which is Polly, why'd you take Adrian's earmuffs? And he says, They look better on me. Right. That's just too good. I also think uh probably because it was considered an outtake, but Oh, we're right about that. It's absolutely a a goof. Yeah, but it but in the in the uh, in the new director's cut, and as you pointed out, there's already been. And I don't mean the earmuffs part. I mean after falling in the snow when he looks directly down the barrel of the camera. Yeah, I know, but 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 again, you sort of think, why wouldn't you put that in? It's just as funny, right? And like, what does it matter if he looks into the camera in a movie where he fucks a robot? (laughs) You know. Think we think that fourth wall, yeah, thoroughly dismantled by now. Um, well, and so, and I, I, I had alluded to this earlier, but now we are getting into the area of where everything that has previously happened in a Rocky movie is forgotten. <laughs> he, yes, I, I'd agree with that. He, um, he's supposed to be blind. <laughs> the first time they ask him about brain damage is in Rocky Two. In Rocky Three, they said he could yeah. no he there's no way with a fighter that big and strong that he could last longer than eight rounds. Uh-huh. And in this movie, he is told by his wife he cannot possibly win. Mm-hmm. And then through the forces of nature and two montages, mm-hmm. all of that is forgotten. And right. he goes 15 rounds with the biggest man anybody has ever seen in the history well, of he, the world. He, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a moment where he he climbs a mountain. Yes. I don't want to gloss over that. But he doesn't get to the top of it. <laughs> right. He stops just short. That's his idea of restraint. It's very upsetting. <laughs> he climb, climbs. With, we haven't seen him do more than run really fast. Just go 20 before. more feet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so you know this image of it again totally propagandistic image of, oh yeah i'm an individual i can do what the fuck i want i'll climb up a mountain if i want to and not go to the top um but it's like we're in a more epic territory than we've ever been in before oh yeah 
mean, this movie, you know, this is like when he's climbing up the top of that mountain. He sh- extrapolation. When, when he's right? <laughs> when he when he's climbing. He started to be about DVD play, heisting DVD players into <laughs> going into space. When he's climbing the top of that mountain, he should be wearing a cape. <laughs> well, and also, you when he gets to the top, he screams at the top of his voice, yes. "Drago." Yeah. Which, to me, is a specific reference to Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. You think so? William Shatner shouting, Khan! At this point in the movie, we're so deep in sci-fi fantasy. What is what? one more Star Trek reference? <laughs> but again, you know, it's the, again, it's revenge drama. It's not about boxing. It's not about sport. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not about boxing. No. It's about getting revenge. Yeah. And one guy, in the same way that Shatner was, but like, it's also my, it's getting revenge, but also getting revenge on those evil Russians. Oh, and so yeah, it's, it's all tied. It's, it's all, all tied, tied together, well, and it's all playing on that geopolitical level. It does, but it's interesting that like it kind of. I remembered this film incorrectly. The 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 the, the, the like the direct address propaganda stuff is very late on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it just hits you out of nowhere. There's always, it's always in the background of everything he's doing. Yeah. But so, at some point, it comes less about revenge and more about winning the Cold War. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure when that happens. Somewhere in... It's one when of the crowd starts montages. chanting his name. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, yeah, we, 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 probably when Gorbachev arrives is the point right. at which... We've definitely shifted. And this fascinates me for so many reasons. The main one being that this is 1985. Gorbachev has just taken power. So Stallone is a real early adopter of the hopes for reform that politicians would later see in Gorbachev. Right. Oh, this guy is enough of a reformist that the the, the cold... Here's the thing I keep wondering, Tom... Did Stallone influence bringing down? Well, Reagan claims that the Soviet Union. Listen, if we're well, listen. So I have two theories. Did this about secret this. smart guy fucking bring down the Berlin secret Wall? Secret smart spy. <laughs> secret smart guy into secret smart spy. So I have two theories about this. Reagan famously said that Steve Gutenberg made him you know, attempt nuclear disarmament, right? Because he saw that Steve Gutenberg TV movie about nuclear war on TV. <laughs> and that changed his mind and got changed his mind about nuclear weapons. So why the fuck would Stallone in this movie right. not make him think, hey, maybe I should talk to this Gorbachev guy. Right. Um, my other theory is that it's the other way around. That, the, you know, the same government apparatus that helped him make Ro- Rambo 3... Even though they're not credited yeah, here. Yeah, right. Probably because it was too sensitive. Like, probably they, they wouldn't want the people to know that America was intervening in this movie in the same way they would with Rambo 3. That people are saying to him, because how the fuck did he know in 1985 that Gorbachev was the guy to pin your hopes on? Secret smart guy. Well, yeah, not that much of a secret <laughs> smart guy. I mean, actual politicians didn't know I that know. in 1985. So maybe Reagan was, you know, whispering in his ear saying, hey, say something nice about Gorbachev in this movie. 
Maybe. That'll go a long way to helping. I don't know. It's, I don't, like, it's, it's not, Tom, I don't want to. Yeah, it's like, it's too much to even speculate. It's a rabbit hole. It's too, yeah. But it's definitely, it's a big deal. It is oh, a yeah. big deal in the film. Uh, and another huge deal from a character point of view. Paulie comes good finally. Yes, I was just going to talk about this. Hang on, can we, let's, because uh, I want to talk about the fight in earnest, so let's take one last break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. We'll talk about the fight and Today's episode is brought to you by Tua T Fitness. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out Tua T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Tua T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here once again, finishing up with the masterpiece of Rocky IV. This is a long episode, the in, Tom. The in-context masterpiece from yeah, before. Like, this is a long episode we're going to have. And and all I can say is, because Rocky IV is that fucking good. Clearly. There's literally too much to talk about. Yeah. And, I, and I don't feel like skimping on any exactly. of it. Exactly. I can't. I refuse. <laughs> well, when we last left, we were talking about, uh, you know, Polly coming good. In, in multiple ways, actually. This scene, I mean, every time I watch it, it makes me tear up. It, well, it's, it's so, so earnest. It is. It comes out of nowhere, which is great because it's not mel- You know, it's not filmed in a melodramatic no. way. They just like it's it like you say it's earnest. They he just starts crying and tells Rocky how much he means to him. And he gets a chance to sort of shine as a character actor and cast off the sort of bigot, bigoted clownish dimension mm-hmm. for a few moments, and it's it's a really good choice. But within and it, and I they, remember you, know, you saying they have great moments within it where he says, you know, this isn't my way. Yeah, they have that. He makes a that's why it's good. Yeah, he makes right? the great directorial choice to show Talia Shire's face yeah. when they when he's saying it, and that's her brother. You know, and she yeah. can see. It's like you could see the goodness she always saw within him coming out, and she's happy and proud in the moment. Oh yeah, absolutely. Making it about the three of them is a really good choice. And also, I remember you saying a year ago when we did our, our Seiko uh, minisode mm-hmm. that um, I was worried that we'd we'd lose too much of Burt Young if we got rid of 
Seiko completely, but you remembered this scene, and right. I, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're right. I think there's enough here, and then what happens in the fight to to give us enough Burt Young yeah. without Seiko. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 really it's really. <laughs> but I also remember while we were watching the the directors the ultimate director's cut um <laughs> after that scene I, I sort of turned to you and sort of said oh as poorly oh by the way i lost all your money <laughs> <laughs> i think you did have known they were going to go down that path that would have been a great that would have been another great but just as he's just as he's out of here right oh by the way i mismanaged your finances and i mean we'll get to it when we get to it but that's a major fuck up for that movie because it didn't have to be that. Anyway, I'll, I'll save it. But Yeah, yeah. I think I probably overall agree with you, although I appreciate it in, in essence. In execution, I do not. Yeah. Uh, as you know. <laughs> and then I, I feel like we have a, a, mir- like a mirror of the Goodwill fight here. You think? Like the way... Well, sort of like we have a moment where we stand back and look at Russian propaganda. Right. A... No, you're right about that. And it, they're sort of saying it's different, but the patriotism is there and the right. scale is the there. Scale's there. So it's almost, almost a respect. Almost. Yeah. Fear, yes. But also, respect. it's like, hey, these guys are just patriotic saps like we exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> because right? you get you get the, the smoke, the sort of uh, almost Olympic torch-like smoke things as he's walking right. in. It's not unattractive. Like no. It's, there's a, there's, it's you, affecting. Yes. If I was a Russian, it would make me proud. <laughs> that's, I think, the point, yeah, right? Totally. That's, that's what I got from the scene. Absolutely. And also, you know, the you know, being able to relate on the level of you love your country, we love our country. Yeah. We can find... And again, ground. like, is that secret smart Through guy this working? guy Gorbachev, who's in the balcony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, and then, and I, I, you've seen Masters of the Universe more recently than I have, but. Yes. Is, is, am I right in thinking that Dolph Lundgren is, appears to be, like, more superhuman and a fantastical creature in the way he's introduced here than he is at any point in Masters of the Universe? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's, he's lit, like, Mm -hmm. He-Man. Yeah. But He-Man, as it should be the done, way not he's as it's lit, done in Masters of the Universe. They have, and again, like, like, honestly, good acting from him. Because there are moments where the camera is so close up on his face. And when he looks back at Rocky during the anthem, like, you're fucked. <laughs> I think it's really interesting because... You know, as Stallone did, talked in that interview about how he put footage in that that showed more of the character's emotion. But I get the sense that he's scared all the time Mm -hmm. and that he's looking over his shoulder every single second without him doing, without him like, you know, they, they put in a scene of him not being able to answer a question and he looks around like he's going to get sent to Siberia. You don't actually need, like I got all that. Yeah information from from just his acting right anyway that's just me um so it's yeah and 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 well and at the same example really of 
I un like you've done enough to tell me that this is what's going on is we hear the box by the way the entire world's press is there yeah I don't know how they all got visas right. but okay apparently apparently anyone can just wander into Russia the USA in network was present which I know is not true <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but the one of the commentators says you know this fight's not sanctioned right and I have the note here I'm just like oh you know they put that in to show that it's personal it's personal it's re it's a revenge drama and that this is not a sporting event and they they, they do a, they, you know there's a lot of shoe leather burned in the recut on that oh, yeah. it's like oh i already knew that from this one line yeah. sometimes economy is better well and that, you know? so it's funny because not only that but in the in the newspaper montage yeah it's it's stated there too that yes they're not sanctioning the fight, USA Boxing. Right. So you're right. So so you yeah, it's interesting. But again, Choices. like that's, and I don't dislike that scene. No, in the, hey, the acting in that scene's fantastic. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad those actors got to get back in the movie. Right. It's the survivor guy from Curb Enthusiasm mm -hmm. who's a great character actor. Uh, but um, and. I like the way this match is filmed because I was going to me, just say the same thing. So... I was going to ask you where do you think it stands within the other fights? Well, I don't I don't even like to compare it to the other fights because this for me is like it is it's style, completely it's style its own has thing. conquered style has conquered over substance. Yes. In this movie and now this fight will reflect that. That's the way I read it. But still within it's disoriented, it... it's fast cutting, mm -hmm. there's lots of interfades. We're more we're more obsessed with how it looks than what's than happening. what's happening in the fight. But because that's what this movie has been about. Right. <laughs> but I'll I'll say that for everything after the second round. Because in the yeah. first round he takes a beating and you have this great moment where where he sits in the chair and Duke says, what's going on out there? And he says, I'm losing. <laughs> he says, I see three of them out there. And, and Paulie says, hit the one in the middle. And Duke says, right, hit the one in the middle, which is from a real fight. Um, Fantastic. You remember? Yeah, it reminded me of You remember it, it Cinderella Man? Yes. I believe it was that fighter, Max Bear, the guy that, ah. that he fought was in a fight. And I think it was him that like got knocked around and he sat down. And he's like, I see three of them out there. And the corner man said, hit the one in the middle. And so it's interesting. I, it's like that may well be true, but there's a version of that story in every sport. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's one in, in soccer. There's a famous story of uh, manager Graham Souness and the player Neil Ruddock, who got knocked out, knocked unconscious in the match and like regained consciousness and was like, completely disoriented and graham sooner said to uh he said one of the one of the coaches said uh we can't put neil out he doesn't know who he is and graham sooner's replied tell him he's pele and put him back on <laughs> <laughs> and i think so i think it's the same story yeah. right just um but what i also but, like is at the end of the second round when he when he throws the one punch that gives drago a cut and you have the great yeah. you know tony burton coming in <laughs> Duke coming in and pushing that guy up against the apparently ropes. for real apparently for real in that interview and he's always uh, taking his wet sponge and throw, throwing droplets it's of water on everybody guy. he's so good but when he gets Rocky in the corner and he's telling him you see 
You see, you cut him. You hurt him. He's not a machine. He's a man. Again, the earnestness. Yeah. He is so completely present in the moment. And the music's dun, 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 and it's building. And then you go into everything we were just talking about as far as the the montage, the yeah. interfades, the fast cuts. Like now we're, like you said, we're in a, on a level of substance or a style yeah. over substance. Style, your style over yeah. substance. But you're absolutely right. And and to me, the, that mo- the hit the one in the middle is the culmination of Paulie makes good. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. It's like, not, o- not only is he now emotionally he open, contributes he's at he contributes at ringside. Yeah. And it was a real shame when you get to the ultimate director's cut that they, for, for some reason, I, maybe they thought it was embarrassing, they cut Tony Burton repeating that. Yeah. Because that's the, that's, it's not just, I mean, yeah, they'd be like, oh, it's a stupid punchline. Yes, but that's the first contribution Paulie's ever made right. in the ring. And it's really, and like, the fact that, you know, they're actually following Paulie's advice. Yeah. <laughs> and also, it's the it builds the contrast, because in one corner, you've got a guy, you know, you've got an authoritarian regime, where it's like, we have a plan, do what we told you, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you're in trouble. In the rocky corner, it's a democracy. Right. Yeah. It's like I vote hit the one in the yeah. middle. I vote hit the one in the middle. He you hit the, hit the one, one in the middle. middle. <laughs> so I think you can you can over tinker with stuff and ruin it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like it's a new box of cinematic tricks for this match, and I really liked it. Well, and there was you know this is where we start getting into um, propaganda land. Well, I, I'm thinking in terms of filming because this is the film where they were. They did a lot of just actually hitting each other. <laughs> Why don't we try you know, hitting each other? It wasn't it wasn't the best <laughs> idea for Stallone because Dolph Lundgren hit him in the chest so hard that that night he started having heart palpitations and had to be put on an airplane, flown at low altitude so that he didn't die. And John G. Avildsen got a camera and immediately filmed it. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say, like, again, speaking of Avildsen and like not wanting him to give give him too much credit, but the pounding that Rocky receives in this fight needs to be addressed in the next film. Oh yeah, like there's no way around that. I think it, this is one instance where they forced Avildsen into a writing corner. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? And he actually responded in a reasonable way because. The pummeling you're seeing cannot go unremarked. Well, and I have a note here that says, because um, my note is, thank God there wasn't a uh, a 10 knockdown rule. Because <laughs> right. usually there's a three knockdown rule. Right. And Rocky goes to the mat like 10 times, at least <laughs> that I see on screen. And then it's, it's imp- unsanctioned. And then it's implied that he goes down like another two or three times. They're in an international waters, basically, right. aren't they? There's, there's, like, all bets are off. But uh, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing about all these movies and about the character of Rocky is it's it's all about, uh, you know, and he, he's even saying it in, in later movies of, uh, you know, how much can you take and keep going forward and the heart of a fighter. And, you know, it's just always ever present. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Dolph Lundgren is... I mean, 
he's 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 one of the uh, the giant trees that mm-hmm. that Rocky Balboa just has to keep chopping at, you know. Right. Yeah. Until he eventually falls. And, and we also skipped over the fact that he's he's uh, he's pumped up with steroids. Right. We saw in one of the montages, which we kind of knew, but was confirmed. Well, and that's again, that's like it goes back to not exactly science versus nature, but like the idea of science fiction versus right. The idea, the idea um, that's completely ridiculous, but the idea that an athlete with a with a giant heart uh, can overcome an athlete who's cheating, which is really Mm -hmm. not true. No, I, I mean, it's, yeah, and I guess you sort of see the impetus that, it, it's interesting, like, when you think about over these films and, like, when does the outcome matter? And in a couple of movies, the outcome doesn't matter, and in a few it does. And here it does because the future of, of right. the West is at stake. Yeah, exactly. And that's made very clear. If Rocky loses this, then we lose a chance to end the Cold War. Right. That's made very clear by, but through Gorbachev, through the crowd chanting his name, after starting off. But and this him. is what this is like the first movie that chooses to use different music as the montage music for the fight. Mm. Um, and I really love the music. Uh, yeah. It's called War. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been running to it for the last two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm new record times, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, and everything just coalesces in this fight in a way that is so overwhelmingly satisfying. Yes, absolutely. And we, you know, it, and then and then there's what I what I would call flim flam, which is uh, <laughs> which is repeated cutaways to Rocky Jr. with his school friends at home right. and a spinning robot dressed as santa in the background <laughs> and like they're basically cutting away to another movie yeah <laughs> and then and and then and this is where we get our wrestling moment uh you know the politician comes down from the balcony right. and and berates drago in his corner and drago then lifts him and throws him out of the ring yes again wwe wwf at that time WWF at that time, uh, WWE for the Ultimate Director's Cut. Right. Um, yeah, but it's an interesting I mean, thing I, too. It is. There is something inherently dramatic about a Russian athlete looking up at the premiere and saying, "I fight for me, for me." Yeah. Right. I mean that. Like he is going to Siberia. <laughs> This is what to me this is where the biggest suspension of disbelief comes. <laughs> Bearing in mind that I just mentioned there's a robot dressed as Santa, who apparently is <laughs> apparently is looking after five children. Right. I'm sure there's an off-screen housekeeper, but we see no evidence. Is that, of house, that. same on housekeeper screen. from Rocky Three? Yeah. <laughs> um. Like, Rocky's never shown any interest in geopolitics, and now suddenly he's all over it. I also have a note here, Tom, that that speech was improvised. 
I believe that because that feels more like Stallone than him uh-huh. than Rocky. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> goes without saying. Rocky does it. Rocky can barely is barely literate. Yeah, in the they're first the movie. they're the same person at this point. Well, I don't know. I think I think they were the same person in three, and now they've they've gone back to being a limbo between the two. But here, definitely, it's Stallone. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is this feels more original flavor, Rocky, than Rocky three to me. But that's the point of Rocky Three, so I don't mind. <laughs> it's not the point of Rocky Five. No, that's why I do mind yeah. because it, that's not Rocky either. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, that's where he makes that speech. Uh, final freeze frame is a jingoistic image of the flag behind Rocky. So it's not about. Well, the it's man different anymore. though. It's about the nation. The actual last shot is a freeze frame close up on his face with the flag behind him. Yeah. But then at the end credits, you have that weird yeah. black and white, <laughs> like fading out of him being lifted up with the flag on his back. But it's like, you know, man and nation. Yes. Are indivisible. one in the same. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, that's Rocky four. And more. Very brief credit checks. I know we have to still, we've still got things to talk yeah. about. Um, black and white photo still recap of the movie. My last note is Very... my last note is photos of what you just saw in black and white. Yeah. We've already had a. I, I wrote the same thing. I said we've already had a recap in this movie covering this very territory. Exactly. Um, but it also thought that, like, maybe it's not just music videos that are influencing his style. Maybe, like, 80s TV as well. Because this looks like the end of a episode of, you know, Hill Street Blues or something. Yeah, or, right. Or Magnum, where you recap the entire episode. <laughs> um, I love the fact that they have to thank a union in the credits. <laughs> like, they thank a camera union. And I just, I love the irony of that. That's great. Like, one of the most anti-socialist movies has to thank a union in the credits. Um, and that's it, really. That's yeah. That's all I have. Oh yeah, I like that. I I like that they give James Brown his official title, the Godfather, the Godfather of, Soul. of Soul. Yeah. No less is deserved. Yep. Uh, okay, director. I fucking call, love this movie. I know you do. It's so good. I know. Uh, okay. So, so... You, for uh, last and last, nearly's <laughs> of the director's <laughs> cut. It's not a first and first most. Well, I do. It's a last I do have nearly. a first and first mostlies for what I think about. Me too. The recut overall. Uh, Go ahead. Overall, it's it's a very interesting movie. Yes. And I see stuff within it that is it's inexplicable to me that it wasn't in the original movie. Yes. But overall. There's no way you can look at that movie and think that you can <laughs> retroactively make mm. what we have described as a perfect 1985 of the moment movie into a 1970s movie. You made a 1985 movie. That's what it is. And trying yeah. to restructure it into something else actually doesn't work for it. Now, I <laughs> and I don't mean that to sound more pejorative than I want it to because it's still a really enjoyable movie and it's really interesting. Yeah. But there is a magic elixir 
about the 1985-ness mm. of Rocky mm. Four, And that's just where that movie sits. That's the movie you made. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I have a similar ambivalence. Uh, so I think, first of all, unlike many director's cuts, I think this is a really legitimate undertaking. Mm-hmm. Because it was a COVID-mandated director's cut. Right. He had the time and the resources, the studio backing, to 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 recut one of his movies. That that that's that's enough. More importantly, he had the footage. Yeah. And the same cannot be said of another COVID mandated cut of a of a famous sequel, <laughs> right. The Godfather, Godfather Part, Part Three. Three. They had nothing. All they could do was, was reorganize so, it. Yeah. And it's high, as we as we've discussed, it's high quality footage. Yeah. Um. So, on those terms, I'm absolutely fine with it. I think it's interesting. I mean, whether whether you and this is not good or bad, but just true. It's a reflection of where his head is as a director now. Mm-hmm. And what he's done is he's kind of made a movie in a modern independent movie style. Yes, right. And also, and I think you pointed this out when we went to see it, he kind of muted the colors to make it look like it was a 70s He did, movie. yeah. So basically, you're missing out the 80s. So he's, yeah, right? he's, Which he's was, muted out color, he's added black and white into certain yeah. sections. So you're, you're actively removing the 80s from the right. paradigm. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's interesting, that makes it an interesting viewing experience. Of course, you enter into all the same problems you do with with belated director's cuts as it feels inauthentic. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, ahistorical. It loses that sense of the historical moment that it's from. Right. Also, specific to Stallone, you know, we've commented before that he cannot leave his own properties alone. (laughs) Right. And he gave himself away in that interview he gave where he said, if MGM hadn't stopped me, I'd have still been editing this. Right, exactly. And there is evidence. What of did he say? He was working on it, massive degree. Was he working on it for nine months? He said, "Yeah." And I think and we both said at the time, "You probably could have stopped at six months." Right. Uh, yeah. Well, he. There's times. You know, we've we've spoken to it already. There are times he's taking out these little spiteful cuts here and there. Mm-hmm. It's like Richard Lester on, uh, like Richard Donner on this in the the uh, Donner Superman cut. cut. Yes. It's like just taking out the punchlines and things that you're embarrassed by. You don't need to do that. Sometimes you just need to leave it alone. Um, And something that you pointed out that I thought fascinating was that he has this entirely subjective idea about what is 80s about this movie. Mm -hmm. And if it's associated with something that he is now interested in as a director, it will stay in the movie, even if it's the most 80s thing in the movie. Like Like the car ride montage. Right, because you uh, you were like, I remember you turned yeah. it to me before. It's like this isn't gonna make it into the movie. Yeah, if Seiko's gone, this is definitely gone. But and then right before then that you scene realized, was started, as I yeah, later did, at the same it time, a recap montage. Yeah. At the same which time, is what we he's both, all about now. We both realized no, Stallone loves that, so there's no fucking way it's leaving. But arguably, the most eighties part of the movie as well. Of so, course. Uh, it's all a little bit, but again, that's where he tries to he tries to de eighties it by putting it in black and white. Right. Uh, yeah. 
so that those are those are my those are my sort of general kind of feelings about it. You know, more, it's more legitimate than a director's cut usually is, right. but falls prey to pulls victim to all the same problems. Well, and the not least the ego of the man doing right. it, and we, which is also true with the. Godfather we talked a little bit about this. The the like the parts that work, the the scene in the kitchen between Rocky and Adrian after deciding or not deciding, but after, you know, Apollo is saying, I want to fight this man. And that's a really good scene. But the scene that like blows all other scenes out of the water is the funeral scene. And with Duke right. and Rocky speaking at that, yeah. at Apollo's funeral, it's so good. I can't possibly imagine what he was thinking, not putting it in, in the first place. And my operational theory is that he didn't want to be seen crying on screen. That was That's it. Crazy, That's the only though. thing I can think of. Yeah. Um, the scene that the scene that uh, really blew me away, and there were many. Uh, and I, again, I don't understand why this wasn't in the movie because it it says what you're trying to say even then better than it does in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Is when Rock is when Creed first approaches Rocky to say, "I'm thinking about doing this fight with Drago, right. this Goodwill fight," and did you, their characters feel way more authentic than they do in the scenes that were in the original cut, um, particularly with regards to politics, because <laughs> because Creed starts to sort of you know he's the gift of the gab, so he starts to go off. He's saying, "Oh, it's just a propaganda machine, you know, it's the Russian, it's all politics." And they cut to Rocky, and he has this blank look on his right. face. Exactly. And that's a much better introduction to this guy who's like sort of, he's like fumbling his way through geopolitics. So, I thought that scene was was. Uh, and then you know, the, well. and then the, the the other problem it has is that he's using different angles and different cuts for certain mm-hmm. scenes. There's a great joke I was referencing earlier about. Uh, Apollo's press conference and he's you know you don't really think you're gonna win right and in the theatrical version it's far more close up you have uh you know a camera to the left on Apollo uh and in the recut it's all taken back it's a wide shot yeah and he used a cut so when he says you know get that heavy bag with eyeballs in the ring and I'm gonna beat him right now chump and all this and like the 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 brouhaha starts and then he decides he's going to leave the press conference and he turns to Rocky and he goes, how'd I do? And he goes, it was a little loud for my taste. He goes, but good, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's a great joke. Yeah. It lands perfectly. But the the the, the take he chooses in this new cut yeah. is not as good a take. Right. And he's second guessing himself where he doesn't yeah. need to. And that's true as well. Like how the, how and the, there's a lot the of those in the movie. In the in the oh, recut, so there's a lot of that right kind from of the thing. beginning yeah. because we we choose not to follow the usual um, pickup. Instead, we start in the middle of Rocky Three. Mm-hmm. In this cut, yeah. We, I mean, I, 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 the joy it gave me when the movie started and you went, "This is the first fight." <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you could recognize it after. Not even a second is amazing to me. But also the fact that you could distinguish between those two fights. But the, also just the fact that like, like you're straight up, like we, we were sort of like, what's going to be taken out? Right. What's going to be left in? And immediately you're like, 
How far back are we going? Exactly. Because <laughs> in the middle of Rocky Three. Because we go from that, and the next thing you know, you see, you see Apollo in his pool, and <laughs> and we both we both went, oh my god, oh my god, we're <laughs> we in the pool already. We the so much. <laughs> so oh. it's uh, yeah. But it's fascinating. I, it's it's without question, it is worthy of a viewing. It is. Uh, uh, certainly, I'll use the word again. It's an earnest attempt at trying to do something different with that movie. Ultimately, yeah. it, it doesn't work for me. I I would just like to see a recut of the things that work best in that yeah. movie added to Rocky Four. As yeah, you got Father Saga. In. Yeah. Oh, Rocky Saga! You could do a Rocky Saga. There you go. Just stay inside. Oh, my goodness. Well, I think we did it. Oh, yeah, this was a rocky saga for yeah. sure. I mean, this this podcast is a good lo- bit longer than Rocky Four itself. So, yes, uh, I think that speaks to the quality of the movie and why I have it ranked so high, frankly. And even if you put the new footage from the Ultimate Director's Cut in here, this podcast is still probably longer than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we had to, though. Thank you. I, I knew I knew, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, I, I say thank you to everyone <laughs> I mean, for sticking with us. It was a foregone conclusion. All right. That's why I brought sandwiches. I mean, yeah. We, we're going to have to have a... We'll have a little intermission break. In the middle of the podcast. <laughs> we'll gum with the wind this year. Yeah, shit. exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Rocky Four. If you have something to add, if we missed something, <laughs> man. <laughs> then you know this then movie you better know than this we movie both do. So, I was just going to say that you know oh, okay. this movie so much better than us. I, can't, I can hardly believe it. But by all means, please, you send us yeah. an email. Uh, find us on Facebook. There might be some people who don't like this movie quite as much as yeah, we do. Exactly. And, and I just want to say to those people, that's fine. Not only is it your right, it is also your privilege. Because <laughs> you're a free American. As this movie... Not one of them comes. As this movie will point out to you. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Hit him, Tom. Who am I? I'm the unsilent majority, <laughs> Big Mouth. <laughs> I love that line. It's so ridiculous. It's the Big Mouth that makes yeah, it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right, take care, everybody. The Loathsome Rocky Five is coming <laughs> up next. <laughs> If you want to take a break next week, that's on you. <laughs> <laughs>